We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks upcoming matchup on Friday night north of the border against the Toronto Raptors. I'm recording this after a stress-free victory over the Detroit Pistons, 118 to 112. Uh, repeat after me, Knicks fans. They're on pace for 50 wins. They are currently on pace for 50 wins. That game was terrifying. They they screwed around and made it way closer than it needed to be. This is what good teams are able to do, though. Their depth, those was just, we commend the Knicks for depth. Thank you, Tibbs, for actually using the depth. You've been very good with that this year, playing the hot hand when the hot hand needs to be played. And yeah. They, they, they got out with a victory. They're 11-7. and seven. They they won the game that we can forget. Shout out to Rob Sala. I don't know if you're a good football coach, but you said a good thing a couple of weeks ago when the Jets beat the Giants, and you said they don't ask how. They ask how many, and the Knicks have 11 wins. So hopefully the Knicks can get to a 12th, which is going to be a tough game in this second game of a back-to-back against the Raptors. Joining me to talk about this matchup is going to be Esfendiar Barahini. I'm sure you've seen him pop up in NBA circles, especially if you're on NBA Twitter. Um, he covers the Raptors for SDPP, SDPN Sports, which is a, a Toronto publication that covers all uh, Canadian sports. Um, he's also a co-host of the Objective Basketball Podcast. Really good conversation. In fact, he brought to light something that I completely forgot. So you guys know I like to do the uh, Knicks opponent connections at the beginning of the pod during this this intro. And I'm going to avoid it because I end up telling us about this the this thing I do in the audio version. Um, Because I completely blanked on the fact that the Knicks are suing the Raptors at the moment. So, my goodness, did I forget that this thing that was a big deal in September that we were supposed to care about. I I completely forgot. I wrote down like the Jeremy Lin shot, the Valentine's Day, the Andrea Bargnani trade happened, the... Um, the Knicks and the CAA connection with OG Hananobi. Like the Knicks have been Raptors uh, trade partners and a ton of trade machines in in our world recently. And you add in that RJ Barrett's Canadian, and it's like there's a bunch of connections that I can point to. 
oh yeah, the Knicks are suing the Raptors in civil court at the moment. So, uh, look, I I'll let you hear the conversation I have with this. It's a very fun one. In fact, let's get right to it. My conversation with Asfendiar Barahini previewing this matchup between the New York Knicks and the Toronto Raptors. Enjoy. S. Barahini, welcome to Knicks Film School Podcast, sir. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, man. Appreciate um, you guys. Uh, you obviously we were talking about before the pod um, have a good relationship with our, our film expert, Benji, and how yeah, you guys course. go back and forth and how you compare notes. So, Benji, I know you're watching. I hope I do you proud. I also do recognize that for a certain subset of Knicks fans, I am entering into enemy territory because of what happened last year with Quentin Grimes and Scotty Barnes. I know. Yeah. I, I try not to, da- to to join in on the beef, but yeah. it, let's just start here and get it out the way. <laughs> it's one of the dumbest things I think I've ever tried to to wrap my mind around. Uh, this right. one moment last year where he said, you are not him. And then the Raptors season went one way and the Knicks went the other. Right. Yeah. How do Raptors fans feel about Quentin Grimes? Do they think about Quentin Grimes? I don't think they think about Quentin Grimes, but I do think they think about the Knicks. Okay. Uh, obviously, the lawsuit and everything that's happening right now is a big factor in all this. I should this, say but- none of this is under oath, so you're okay. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. right. Exactly, exactly. No, but like, I think there is, I, I wouldn't say there's a rivalry, but I think there's like a decent history between these two teams over the last couple of years. There's been some pretty crazy games, right? I think of like the Carmelo game winner. There's a Jeremy Lin game winner happening mm. there. Like the, the last 10 years, there's been some multiple moments between the Raptors and Knicks. And then on top of that, it's, you know, the James Dolan uh, kind of beef with Masai Ujiri, you know, the Kyle Lowry trade, the Andrea Bariani trade. There's like this whole history between the teams in terms of transactions. So it makes it, I guess, a little bit more heightened when Quentin Grimes and Scotty Barnes get into a little spat. Now it all gets blown out of proportion. You know what I mean? So, you know, what's funny. I'm going to take everybody behind the scenes a little bit. So, I actually take you behind the scenes. I do two versions of this pod. There's the pod I do with you where there's an intro I do beforehand. Then there's a separate intro I record for the audio listeners that goes in our podcast feed. And I add usually like six or seven, if I can get up to that many, usually it's maybe like four or five connections between the two franchises, current players for both teams, some iconic moments in the past. I have the Bargnani trade on there. I have the Jeremy Lin game, of course. Um, I have the, I mean, the Maasai thing is interesting because when Steve Mills um, and, and Scott Perry were about to get fired in 2019, I know the speculation around yeah, the, there was some discussion. Yeah. It's going to be Maasai coming to New York just for a blank mm-hmm. check. And obviously they went the direction of Leon Rose. Yeah. I got to be completely transparent. The lawsuit didn't even make the list. I completely <laughs> forgot that thing happened. So I apologize. That no, matters I mean, hey, so very little to me here in New York. Hey, listen, I agree. I think it is such a very silly uh, thing that's happening between these two franchises. It's, I, I mean, usually these things don't get to a legal courtroom, right? It usually ends up being Adam Silver in the NBA. They kind of just figure this thing out, hash it out one way or another, and then they move on. But there seems to be some real angst between these two sides. And that's why there's this legal drama, whatever it might be. You know what well, I mean? I guess we'll, we'll let it play out in civil court. I don't, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, the only thing I'm asking for is if, if Dolan is serious about taking this all the way, 
This needs to be a public trial. We'll do live streams oh, around it. Amazing. If he is under oath saying anything, well, I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring my camera to the courtroom, James. Yeah. Um, but let's let's stick to basketball. Let's talk about the Raptors and the start the start to the season that they've gotten off to. They're nine and yeah. ten, twenty first in offense, twelfth in defense, which is a 20 uh, second in net rating. Yeah. Going by those numbers. How does that start to the season match up with your preseason expectations for what they were going to be? Oh, man, I honestly, this is pretty much what I expected from them. I thought they would be in and around a 500 team throughout the year. Um, The lack of real guard juice and downhill Mm -hmm. creation makes their offense uh, stagnant. And we've seen that. To be fair, their offense has improved. Uh, It hasn't got much better compared to league average, but compared to Raptors level, it has gotten a lot better over these last couple of games. I mean, they were were like historically bad in the half court to start this season. We call that the Julius Randle curve over here. Here. Right, yes. right, yeah, a little improvement. Yeah, exactly. we'll talk about Randall yeah. in a bit. But yeah. um, overall, like their offense is getting better. It's getting to a point where it's, you know, malleable. It's it's salvageable. And then the defense is where they hang their hat on, right? They have tons of great defenders. Scotty Barnes has improved into, you know, an all-defense level defender. Uh, you have OG Ananobi, obviously, who is probably uh, a much-discussed player in terms of Knicks, you know, world. Um, and ultimately, they just they love hanging their hat on the defensive end, forcing turnovers, getting out in transition. Like, this is the type of team they want to be. And then on offense, it's a struggle for the most part on, on most nights, but it is getting better. So a couple of years ago, our main host, John Macri, and I did a Patreon pod. It was a two-man draft where we just took turns taking uh, pairs of off of teams and around the league. Yeah. And the Raptors were this weird team where it's like neither of us had any high expectations for them for like winning the title or anything, but we got three different pairs off of right. the Raptors. Yeah. And it was like yeah. they always go six or seven deep. And that... That's taken a step back with Fred Van Vliet gone this year, but then you take the the leap with what Scotty Barnes has done this year. And I just from the outside looking in, it's such a, a difficult team to evaluate. And I think that that factored into all of our projections for this team going into the mm-hmm. season. If you had to take a temperature of the fan base and what they were projecting, I mean, I do have a portion of this pod where I want to talk to you about some like transactional stuff, but yeah, of course. Is is this team like here to stay? Did, did the Raptors fans like expect something higher than you know, like better than last year where you're you're making the play in, but is is it right. playoffs or is there something uh, drastic coming or, or expected to come in the future? There's probably two sides to this. Uh, This Raptors fan base is really, really split when it comes to certain things like this. So there's one side of the fan base who wants to start a rebuild. It's like, let's tear everything down. You know, you have Pascal Siakam, who's an unrestricted free agent. OG Ananobi is going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Gary Trent Jr. You know, all the money implications are saying, hey, let's just tear this thing down, rip it to the studs, start with Scotty, start with OG and build from there. Uh, There's that's one faction. And then there's the other side where it's like, well, hey, this is they have quality players, but they just don't have enough depth. They don't have enough guard play. The team is probably redundant in the, you know, where the positions they're kind of tapping into a lot of forwards, a lot of wings. They just don't have enough of different variety to kind of do different things. And ultimately, that's what makes people say, hey, maybe we should go out and get someone. That's why. You know, this summer they were involved in the Damian Lillard trade and the the summer before that they were involved in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. It's like they have enough to go out and maybe get another star. But should they are they in a position to really put themselves in a different tier if they were to go out and get that person right now? The discussion is around Levine, right? 
It's mm-hmm. like, hey, should the Raptors go out and try to get Zach Levine? He sort of fits what they need, you know, a guard score type who can score at all three levels. Like, yeah, that's that's ideally the type of player that they want. But does that make them that much better to the point where they should go ahead and make that drastic of a move? So there's kind of two sides to it. You can go either way. I think there's valid arguments both ways. But if I had to lean, I'd probably say this team is middle of the pack, very mediocre. It's been like that this season. They, it was very, very clear last season that they were also like that, even with Fred Van Vliet. Now you've lost Fred Van Vliet and your your ceiling is very capped out. So how are you going to maneuver that? How are you going to build from the middle versus tearing it down and trying to start anew? And I just I don't see a, a world in which building from the middle is going to make sense given the ceiling of this team right now with the roster that they have. So that begs the important follow-up. You don't see that and potentially Raptors fans don't see that. What does Masai think? Or what do you think Masai thinks? Because it's one, I don't know if it's a good or bad reputation, but like struck gold with the Kawhi Leonard trade and it won him a title. And it, from the outside looking in, can seem that he's always making sure that he can, or not making sure, but trying to hit he that wants home to win run the trade. again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he wants to hit that home yeah. run again, you yeah. know? Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I think, to be fair, I think there that is a, a, there is that element there. That exists. Like, let's not kid ourselves. There is the Maasai wants to get the best part of this trade thing. That has happened with multiple different offers, different scenarios, whether it be at the trade deadline last year, this summer, the summer before that, you know, the Kyle Lowry departure is part of it too. Like, they were... They were pretty close to getting Tyrese Maxey, apparently, but that didn't happen. That fell through because Masai wanted more and more from the Sixers. And I think that's part of it. That absolutely is. But also, like, it's hard for them, the Raptors, being not a free agency destination, not a team that, like, lands a bunch of these free agents to let go and trade their players that they have homegrown and developed. So it's it's this give and take of, like, okay, we value the guys that we have. People around the league value the guys that we have. But in order to move on from these type of players, we also have to feel, I guess, secure in what we get in return and make that make sense. Right now, Pascal Siakam, right? Two-time All-NBA player, multi-time All-Star, right? Like he's been a very good player over the last couple of years, but he's also an expiring contract. So you're not going to be getting your best bang for your buck for a player like that, unfortunately. So it's like you've put yourself in that predicament by kicking the can down the road far too often. And now they're in a position where they don't necessarily have that amount of leverage to go out and say, hey, we want X amount of picks for Pascal or X amount of picks for OG because these guys are expiring contracts. So maybe let's do the transactional conversation sure. now. Yeah. So that, yeah, course, like, yeah. I do want to talk about basketball. The Scotty Barnes lineup data is confusing to me and I do want to talk yeah. to you about it. But like all summer, Knicks fans... I think they were split on when OG and OB became a CAA client. And that's right. just like a thing Knicks fans pay attention to on whether a team. <laughs> I, th- I think every fan base does now. I don't know. It's, it's like, just a, like if you're a CAA client, wow, you're on the Knicks radar all of yeah, a sudden. Yeah, like, yeah. so who are the Knicks going to go out and get? Well, let's just go down the client list. It's why Zach right. Levine to the Knicks has never gained any traction because he's clutch and they hate CAA or at least specifically right. hate the Knicks because of how they treated Cam Reddish. So, yeah. um, Look, what is, in your opinion, the 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 long term solution with Ananobi? Is he someone they're good? They're gonna 
extend or bring back and build long term? Is he someone that's on his way out? And I'll just flatly ask, is there a trade partner that you see in the New York Knicks? And whether it be bringing Broadway Barrett back to his hometown or you said you need guard play. We have a sixth man of the year candidate that is looking to start somewhere. Um, And I I want just before you answer to Knicks fans, I'm not saying I want to do this. I'm just asking the question of whether he would want to do this. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Man, it, yeah, it must be tough navigating the Knicks world. It's it's probably wild. Got that right. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> I will say, I think sitting today as of whatever day it is today, I don't think the Raptors will be moving off of OG Ananobi come hell or high water. Uh, nice. They wow. had they, they're yeah. that confident in him. Wow. I really do think so. Uh, and I don't I don't say that in the means that like if they get a mammoth like offer, they won't accept. I think that's possible. But to be fair, here are some of the deals that have been reported, right? The Indiana Pacers reportedly offered three first round picks, but let's try to find some context in that. Those first round picks were all in the 20s, right? All of them were in the 20s. They weren't high value first round picks. So if they were to somehow get three very valuable first round picks, I think they would address that. I think they would entertain that deal. But ultimately, I don't think they're going to be able to get something like that for him who's an expiring contract, et cetera, et cetera. We just talked about how leverage is at play here for the Raptors. That being said, especially given his age, I think he's 26 years old, kind of pairs a little bit closer to Scotty Barnes, his shooting ability, the defense, the on-ball stuff. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Um, All of that pairs really well with whatever you envision in the future with Scotty Barnes. And you talked about lineup data. The Scotty OG lineups have killed this year. They have absolutely destroyed all season. Uh, And it kind of shows you that like, hey, there's hope there for that tandem. Uh, Last night against the Suns, they absolutely dominated that game. It was Scotty and OG locking up Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So there's there's a vision there for what they want to do afterwards. So I would say, yeah, it's it's very, very unlikely that they move OG for anything. But I will also say quickly would be an awesome Raptor. <laughs> I, I like I, I I agree. I get that there's a trade there. I think that makes sense. I'm honestly, you know, from my perspective, again, looking from the outside in and I've talked to Benji about this, too. It's like I'm surprised there is even a conversation about potentially moving quickly because I would just rather the Knicks resign him figure out what else is happening around the roster because he's a damn good player and a damn good guard. And like, he's been awesome. It's it. I don't, I don't get it, but maybe you can address that. I don't know. Brother, if you ask, I want to <laughs> say 100% of the fan base, they would agree with you. There yeah. is, and this is like, I've tried to dig around in like the very limited access we get to the Knicks, which is kind of a thing. Right. But like, I think the best the best thing to say to a Knicks fan that's worried about IQ being mentioned in deals is like it's restricted free agency. Right. The Knicks are not a team that usually just lets an asset walk. Like the OB top and thing, they they waited until the last possible minute and then they traded him for two seconds. Could you have gotten a first in the past? Maybe, but mm-hmm. you kept them around for a while. You made it to see until this Randall thing was more than one year, and then right. you you went and committed to that. Um, I don't think they're just going to let him walk. And I think the the vote of confidence you can give in him is that a, reportedly his biggest fan amongst the Knicks hierarchy is the head coach. And right. if Tom yeah. Thibodeau has any say in this, like he's been a proponent of like keeping IQ and empowering IQ. I agree with you. The 
the fact that Emmanuel quickly can play next to Jalen Brunson and you don't lose anything. In fact, it's just a net positive across the board. He's yeah. done nothing but get better at every part of his game in his in his three and a half or three three years and change since since coming into the league. And that's a guy that, that you want to keep around. The issue you run into is can you start them together? Yeah. And well, yeah, because of the you, size issue. Yeah. Plus, do you want to invest like in your two point guards? Because I don't know if like if he's going to run your backup unit. I, I just don't know. Like if he's that we they were doing the math on this on the pod the other day. Like Manu Ginobili came off the bench his entire career in San Antonio, and the highest I guess what he averaged out as a as a, a bench player, um, the highest I think he averaged out was twenty nine minutes a game. And quickly might want more than that. It may just simply yeah. come down to that. Now mm-hmm. we'll see what the market looks like. This new CBA has everybody spooked. The Knicks can match. Like, yeah, he's I, like the idea of him being traded. I, I am standing firm on the coach does not want him traded, and therefore the Knicks are not going to make a move unless it's a drastic improvement. Like you're saying, if OG Ananobi is coming back, I would miss Emmanuel quickly. I would be like, okay, they're making a move like that, although it's not a one-to-one positional swap. So obviously yeah, other moves yeah. would have to be involved. Um, I'm I'm glad someone else outside the Knicks bubble is saying how good Emmanuel well, quickly is because we, we were, all agree. We were, me and Ben, we were talking about this literally two days ago and how the deal might work and what like the parameters might be of a potential OG for IQ swap. And I, I, I kind of told him the same thing. I'm like, I just don't see a world in which the Raptors want to give up on OG. I think they look at him as a long-term fit next to Scotty, they're going to, they're going to match. You know, there was this report the other day from Michael Scotto. Uh, I believe that was who it was. Uh, and yeah, it said, him. you know, yeah. Uh, he said, you know, Pascal is, or sorry, OG is going to receive interest from a lot of teams and they're willing to match and send, give him max money. I think the Raptors are pretty comfortable matching any of that. Like I, I would be very surprised if they aren't. Um, I think, Pascal is a different conversation, though. And maybe that that involves the Knicks, too. I don't know. I I don't know if Pascal is someone you guys would be interested in because of Randall and the whole, you know, the fit would be wonky, right? But So it it would have to be an exchange of Randall. He would come here to play the four. And that's another conversation about do the Knicks eventually (laughs) upgrade from Julius Randall? I've I've had that conversation on every single podcast and I, it's like justified he is yeah, yeah the most complicated player to evaluate in very perplexing my entire yeah. life watching Knicks basketball I understood like Carmelo Anthony like never won a ton with the Knicks but you could argue that like whether they should have made the trade for him should they not have made the trade for him or should he have waited to come here or not um I'm in favor of like when you can get the guy get the guy and yeah like be competent with your team building afterwards. And the Knicks were everything but competent. <laughs> Hi, <Yeah>. Andrea Bonyani trade. <laughs> um, and like with Randall, it's like every single leaderboard that the Knicks have for this century, specifically, mm-hmm. he's on it and he's right yeah. next to Mello and he's a two-time all-star and he has hardware and he's a two-time all NBA NBA player. Yeah. Yeah. And the, from what I could tell, the very vocal majority of this fan base is like, I, I'm he is a maddening player to watch. He is a He's maddening perplexing. player to root for. Yeah, it is. It is wildly perplexing. And now, to be fair, I think he has stepped up his game as of late. Like he's gotten better 
compared to the start of the season, but just a very oh, perplexing. Go with up, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, fair enough. It's been very perplexing to watch this guy. I know the like yo-yo effect of one year on, one year off. Like it's just I don't know where that comes from or what that's what the reasoning behind that is. But um, he's a good player, man. I, I, I like. Yes, he's a good player. Is he the player that is going to lead you to the promised land and the Knicks to the promised land? Probably not. It's very much so a stopgap option and like. I think Knicks fans are warranted to be like, well, the the inevitable final version of this team probably doesn't include Julius Randle. So the comp I've used for him actually is a person I as a player I should actually ask you about it, whether this is a fair comp or not. Yeah. But like DeRozan when he was in Toronto, mm. like it was very clear at a certain point, and Masai even pulled the trigger on it. Now the reason that these aren't a perfect comp is because from what I can tell, DeRozan is beloved in Toronto, whereas Whoever the Knicks get back for Julius Randle will be welcomed with open arms and there won't be any uh, uh, sour grapes on the other side of it. Um, yeah. However, like they eventually did need to upgrade from DeRozan to take the next step. I think that's and, a good comparison. Like, Because yeah. I, I don't like the good stats, bad team label on Randle or guys like DeRozan. Like you can make the playoffs with these guys as your best player. Yeah. There's oh, yeah. just a, a, a second round ceiling probably. With both right. of these players, yeah, the the DeRozan comp is actually really interesting because some of their warts are probably postseason warts, right? Like not being able to handle doubles, the playmaking, mm-hmm. some of that stuff. And like to be fair, DeRozan has grown in that area since. But um, yeah, when he was in Toronto, that was a big issue. It's like his game doesn't necessarily translate over to playoff basketball, and I don't. I think the the same could probably be said to Randall and the so way far. that he plays. So far, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably it. And that's a good comparison because uh, I think the fan base is pretty split. Raptors fans are probably pretty split on DeRozan. There's obviously this like hindsight is 2020. You have this affiliation and like admiration for the guy. But at the time, I would say people were probably very split on who DeRozan was and everything like that. Knicks are in a really interesting position, man. Very, very they interesting. They are. They are. And, you know, we'll see if they eventually make the move. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. Going into this season, I decided it was time to make a change. My digestion didn't feel its best. I felt sluggish, stressed, didn't feel as focused, and knew I needed to do something different. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, and I hated taking pills or vitamins. Well, when I started drinking AG1 daily, not only could I see a difference in my daily health, but I finally had energy and noticed how much more relaxed and focused I was. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs such as gut optimization stress management and immune support since 2010 ag1 has led the future of foundational nutrition continuously refining their formula to create a smarter better way to evaluate your baseline health fun fact i recommended ag1 to all my friends family and mrs claudio we drink ag1 first thing in the morning to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day there's no debate ag AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash filmschool. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash filmschool. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's basketball to be played. Next to have a matchup against the Raptors that, look, I'll just be completely honest. Like We're recording this, by the way, to anybody listening or watching. We're recording this before the Pistons game. So barring the fact that the Knicks didn't end the Pistons' 15-game losing streak, the Knicks (laughs) will be playing a back-to-back and potentially with the chance to... uh, make it a three-game winning streak. I'm not. I'm not gonna say I'm not confident, but I am nervous about having to play a back-to-back and go like across the border to do right. it. Um, and like the the Raptors are a team that plays hard, like the Knicks. So that type of intensity is yeah. tough to go up against on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, but so you mentioned the the Scotty Barnes lineup data. Now you mentioned the OG scotty pairing now right. when i went to go look at scotty barnes and i pulled up his just like counting stats and it's like 19 9 and 6 2.9 stocks which is insane oh, you yeah. know like yeah. you mentioned the all nba the all defense ceiling that is that is that is first team all defense ceiling and like yeah. in old ink and then i go to his on offs with cleaning the glass <laughs> they're minus 2.6 with him on the court yeah. plus 2.8 with him off now from what i gather when you look at the five man lineups it seems like he's playing with the second unit a lot, which yeah. can like skew some of his lineup data. And then you add on Ananobi, and it's like plus four with Ananobi and Scotty right. on minus eleven when you take Ananobi off the court. Yeah. So, like, is is that a fair read on the situation that it's not 100%. all him when he's off the court, and or, or on off with him is not like a negative on him? It's just they're all otherworldly when it's Ananobi and him together. The bench has consistently been an issue for these Raptors, and the Raptors are trying to figure something out here over the last couple of weeks. Darko Ryakovich has tried to tweak and tweak and tweak the second unit, just different rotations, different lineups. Uh, over the last couple of days, it's been end of first quarter. Scotty and Pascal are leading those second units. Start of the second quarter, this is where those struggles come in. It's Scotty by himself with those four guys off of the bench, and then they start to stagger in starters. Uh, and that's where the struggles come come in those bench led units for Scotty are like minus 50 something for the season in that short amount of time. It hasn't gone well. Uh, and part of that man is, you know, Scotty needs to learn to be a little bit more aggressive when he's the guy that needs to be the aggressor in those units. Like he just needs to take the ball in his hands and try to be more aggressive on the offensive end, be the orchestrator, be the playmaker that he's known to be, but also the bench has been struggling immensely this season. Last time I checked, they were 24th in plus minus, the Raptors. Um, I, I'm sure they've gotten better by now just because they've had a couple of good bench games. But ultimately, it's 
it's tough when you have Gary Trent Jr., Precious Achua, Chris Boucher, Malachi Flynn as your four off of the bench. And those guys are wildly inconsistent because Gary Trent Jr., as if he's not hitting his shots that night, isn't much of a contributor. Precious Achua is still a very turnover prone, mistake prone player. Same thing could be said to Chris Boucher, who has been a really solid bench piece for them over the last couple of seasons. And Malachi Flynn is a borderline NBA player at this point. Like they're trying to figure out if he can stay in the league and be a consistent player for them. It's just a lot of things at once for Scotty to try and toggle with that second unit. So that's why you're seeing those struggles. But in terms of like impact, man, he has been incredible when he's with the starters, when he's being assertive. Uh, like you said, like the, the, the counting stats are incredible. Uh, and last night against Phoenix or two nights ago, depending on when you're listening to this against the Phoenix Suns, he was insane. Uh, he had 19 of his 23 points in the second half was absolutely dominant, defended the hell out of the ball against, you know, KD and Booker as well. Uh, his, his stardom, the way he's trying to figure things out, he's at a weird point in his career, Andrew, I'll tell you this, like, you know, when guys are like an on again, off again night in their career, like Mm -hmm. one night they'll give you 30 and five and then another night it's 15 and six, right. Or whatever. Right. And I think part of that is figuring out how you can consistently stack up good days, right. Positive days, uh, positive games. And Scotty's at that point of his career. You see actually a lot of guys in that 2021 draft struggle with that. Like Jalen green is struggling with that on the Houston Rockets. Franz Wagner is struggling with that on the Orlando magic. Like he'll have games where he's exploding and looking like an all-star. And then some games where where he's kind of non-existent. So I think that's just part of like growing into being a star. Scotty is doing that right now. That's, that's where a lot of us were at the beginning of the season with RJ. Um, Mm. You know, last year he has, I mean, objectively one of the worst seasons, I mean, the worst season of his career and one of the worst high usage seasons in the league. But then he has this eight game stretch in the playoffs that gave us all hope. And then I'm sure you were, tuned in this summer to FIBA oh, yeah. and how yeah. he, you know, played second fiddle to, to to SGA, but like seemed to really carry some of that progression over. And he yeah. showed up this year and by game six, it was like, I'm like RJ had 24 again tonight. Like I was, that was expected an efficient 24. Now I think the the cool part to see RJ in a similar vein, um, take that next step of when you're struggling, still being able to be successful. The most recent game they played against the, the, the Hornets and shout out to, to Schwinnipu over at the Strickland who said it in his opening monologue the other night, like he went three of 13 for the night, but had 16 points, like went nine of nine from the, from the line that night and made okay. sure like, all right, my shot's not falling. Let me get to the line and score another way and played outstanding defense. There's just no world where he's three of 13 last year and is even playing the fourth quarter. There's no way he gets to 16 points on a three of 13 shooting. Okay. And it's cool to see like the progression of a guy like Barnes or a guy like RJ, like seeing them figure out the league as yeah. they get older, which like we, we had our transactional talk, but this is like the fun part of watching a oh, basketball yeah. team, watching a young oh, yeah. player learn and, and grow into the league. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so I, I guess I'm curious about this matchup because it, the, the, they have a lot of wings they could throw at these, these Knicks guards and these Knicks, these Knicks scorers um, yeah. to a Knicks fan that is nervous about this game. Would you tell them like, as long as you, if you're shooting efficiently, if you're moving the ball, if you're able to score, the the Raptors don't necessarily have a ton of offense or should we be concerned that like you have an answer for Jalen Brunson on defense? You have an answer for RJ on defense. You, I mean, Pascal against, I mean, you had what 50, 
five last year. Yeah. Against oh, the yeah. I forgot the about garden. the garden game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's a, there's always the opportunity for him to go off in that game. Like, mm-hmm. like, how do you see these two teams matching up on Friday night? So, from what I understand, the Knicks have gotten better on defense this year. Uh, and have. I actually, I, I expected that coming into this season. I thought there was going to be a bit of a role reversal between, you know, their offense and their defense. Um, I've loved what they've done defensively. And I think what they do in terms of just the size in their front court will provide some issues for the Raptors offense. Uh, so far, the Raptors have had their best offensive nights against teams that have smaller wings, smaller size in the paint, can't dominate in the paint. And I think the Knicks are very counter to that. They are good at getting into the paint. They are good. You know, the offensive rebounding, the second chance points. These are areas where the Raptors have struggled this season. Uh, and I think the Knicks can take a lot of opportunities there. That being said, I still think the Raptors will provide some challenges on defense. They will guard the hell out of Jalen Brunson. They'll throw multiple different coverages at him. Uh, I think OG will probably be the primary on Jalen Brunson. And depending on you know how that matchup goes, it probably dictates the rest of the game. I'm very curious to see how the Raptors deal with the backline stuff of Mitchell Robinson, uh, just because of the second chance points that I mentioned, but also just the ability to kind of be that lob threat for them. Um, I'm curious to see what the defensive matchups will be right out the gate, especially from the Raptors perspective, because that might dictate the game and how the tempo is going to be going. But uh, offensively, I think you guys have, sorry, defensively for the Knicks. uh, I think you guys are going to have a lot to make things tough for the Raptors offense. And that's why I would say it's a tough matchup for the Raptors. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's probably where I'm at with it. I think the other part you mentioned about how their second unit has struggled and the best lineup is their second unit. This this Josh Hart, uh, Emmanuel quickly, Isaiah Hartenstein, DiVincenzo, and RJ. Right. Uh, it's a plus ten, and it's their third most used lineup. And like, there's this one lineup that Tibbs has gone to, and he's gone to it less and less recently. But it's Josh Hart with the starters. So like Josh Hart instead of RJ, and right. it's like it started off like really bad, and then he started like RJ missed a couple games, and Josh Hart started for him and the sample size got bigger. So like if you go to cleaning the glass, it's their second most used lineup because like for 78 minutes he played it and it was a negative. And then you go to like the last six games. I think Tibbs is starting to realize it doesn't work because it's only played seven. It's only played eight minutes over the last six games is is the official stat. So um, I wonder as, as some of their, their less working lineups get used, the ones that, that get used better, um, get used, the ones that work better get used more. There, I got it out successfully. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. I, I'm always, I'm always afraid of a game against the Raptors. They, they're a team that plays hard. At least under Nurse, they did. Yeah. But from what I could tell, because I caught some of the the Suns game the other night, they're they're a bitch to play. And so I'm, I'm expecting you know a tough matchup. You know, it depends what Raptor game you get. Really? Though. Okay, it really is because that Suns game was like, oh, this is exactly how they want to play. This is the exact style. Teams are they're hounding the team on defense. Defense. They're causing turnovers. They're getting out and running in transition. Scotty is scoring in the half court. Pascal is doing his thing. Schroeder and Yakapertle, the pick and roll looks beautiful. Like that's this is that's how the team ideally should play in basketball games. But you go back and you look at that Nets game, and it's like, man, this team is a drag. Uh, and even especially offensively, it's just they can't get anything if teams pack the paint against them. Um, and I think the Knicks do a good job of doing that. I think the Knicks do a really good job of like forcing teams to beat them from the outside. 
And I think that's probably what's going to happen on Friday night, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll see, though, because because it, it really depends on if the Raptors are are going to be hitting their outside shots and if, you know, they're buying in on defense, because that's going to be the, the key thing here. Can I offer a theory about that Brooklyn game? Yeah. Nobody cares about the Nets. So they yeah, nobody I mean, gets yeah. up for playing them. Like Miami <laughs> came in on Friday night, played the Knicks at full strength. And it was like this this in-season tournament game nationally televised. <laughs> then they went over to Brooklyn. Jimmy didn't play. Bam didn't play. Like, yeah, Larry, like yeah, yeah. we'll send the B team out there. It's Brooklyn. Like, who cares? I'm, I, this is a shot at little brother. Fine. It but it's also is. a reality now that the the superstars are no longer in the building. Shout out to yeah. Mikhail Bridges, who really wishes he was on the Knicks. Right, um, yeah. Last thing before you get out of here. I do this thing with every single guest. I get the Mount Rushmore of rivals. So like for the Knicks, when the calendar comes out, there are teams that we circle the dates for. And right. like the, the the Miami Heat are obviously one of them. The Celtics, oh, Celtics become yeah. one of them. Yeah. Um, like the Hawks have become one recently. Obi Toppin now in Indiana. And obviously the Knicks Pacers history is, right. is one of them. Who are the Raptors? Mount Rushmore of rivals. Who do Ooh. you circle on your calendars when the NBA schedule is dropped? It's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the Raptors to play yeah. Uh, definitely the Sixers, uh, 100% okay. the Sixers, just because of the Nick Nurse stuff, Joel Embiid. They've had a couple of playoff, you know, series against each other. The Kawhi shot, right? Say a legendary one. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of moments between those two teams, uh, especially even if you go back to like early 2000s, they've had a couple of series. The Vince Carter shot, all that stuff. The AI Vince Carter oh, series. Oh, right? I even remember that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, so they he went to like graduated college in the morning, right? Exactly. And then went he and, did. Yeah. And then right. came and missed the shot that anyways um so yeah philly is definitely one of them i would say boston too just because toronto and boston uh because of hockey you know boston bruins and maple leafs Ooh. they always have some kind of rivalry so that kind of bleeds over into basketball too uh those two cities just don't like each other very much uh and let me see if there's two others i would probably i mean you could probably argue the knicks i think you could maybe say the knicks in this scenario sometimes so that's maple leafs islanders right is that the very yeah. thing died down yeah. at all or uh i think so i okay. think so so for the most part, I would be lying to you if I said I follow hockey like okay. crazy. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I I know that was a thing. But also just in general, like Knicks, Raptors always have entertaining stuff. There's obviously the history, the lawsuit and all that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. That gets the fans going. Uh, and then I would probably say the Nets. I think the Nets are a team that they don't very much like playing either. Uh, there's a lot of history there. The Vince Carter trade. There's the Paul Pierce moments in the mm. 2013 playoffs, right? This is why they brought me here. He's hitting the game winners. Uh, so I think that's probably the, the, the trilogy or quad trilogy, whatever it is. The Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah. The Mount, yeah, the the, Mount the, Rushmore. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm remembering it. You're, you're Canadian, right? So yeah. no, I, I, I know the Mount I'm Rushmore, just making sure, but it's not that. a, but it's not as like <laughs> on the tip of your tongue as like, as used in common language as we no, do in the States. No, right? I, I should have said Mount Rushmore. That's, that's disappointing. <laughs> Okay, no, I, I'm not being disrespectful. I promise. No, I just no, no, like no. I messed up myself. Anyways, it's the third. Uh, it's the it's the fourth leaf on the maple leaf, yes, right? Yeah, Although yeah. maple no, leaf is only three. We're doing Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Keep it in Mount okay, Rushmore. Got yes, it, yeah, got yeah, it. yeah. Okay. Um, no, it's it's definitely those four, and it's funny because like what that's the Atlantic Division right there, right? I, yes. I think I just yeah. So 
All the okay. Atlantic Division rivals are, are their guys. So yeah. not the Bucks. I know they had a playoff series a couple of years ago. You know? Bucks aren't bad either. I think Bucks are probably in there too. Maybe if I had to swap one, it would probably be like Knicks versus Bucks or Knicks, you know, Nets, Bucks or whatever. But yeah. I, I stand corrected. I said nobody cares about the Nets. Apparently, Raptors fans <laughs> care about the Nets. Hey, My apologies. I, th- I, I, think, I, I think there is a bit of a rivalry there just because like maybe for older Raptors fans, just because of the Vince Carter trade, just because of the Paul Pierce stuff in the like early 2010s. Uh, a lot of that stuff still kind of rings a bell for some people. So yeah, that's probably what it would be. Well, um, unfortunately, you have to take on Big Brother on Friday night. And we'll <laughs> yes. see who's yeah, more fortunate yeah. in this matchup. Uh, S, thank you so much for coming on the, the Knicks Film School pregame pod. Before you get out of here, plug what you'd like to plug for the people at home. Yeah. Hey, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Tap into the Objective Basketball Podcast. We talk about the general NBA uh, just all over the league. We talk about the Knicks sometimes, too. Uh, We will talk about them because they're in the in-season tournament, by the way. So we'll we'll talk about them very soon. Hopefully you guys (laughs) hopefully you guys win it, man. That'd be awesome. Um, Otherwise, yeah, tap in. Follow me on Twitter. Do all those things. Appreciate you. Last thing you mentioned, the in-season tournament, just a a general comment has has the Raptors schedule been brutal? Like a ton of back-to-backs and a weird, like... Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. also, they they started... The Raptors started their in-season tournament three games into the in-season tournament. Like, the, most teams had played two or three games before the Raptors had played their first in-season tournament game. So it felt like they were behind the eight ball for the entire time. But they they got to figure that out, scheduling-wise, because it hasn't been good. So... Same, and not in the sense that the Knicks started their in-season tournament games late, but just like this is their sixth back-to-back that they're playing in wow. in seventeen games, or I guess in eighteen games at this point. And yeah. then, as a reward for going to the tournament, they go play Milwaukee. Then, if they win, they go to Vegas, and then yeah. if they advance to Vegas, they go play four times, or I guess four <laughs> two games in four days in Vegas, yeah. Yeah. then fly across country to play. The Raptors at the Garden. <laughs> oh yeah, and then go to the West Coast for a five-game road trip. Like yeah. that's their reward for winning the for getting into the in-season <laughs> tournament. So I, I don't know if this is just like the feeling it out year for for the NBA, and maybe they'll schedule is. it out better. But yeah. um, Adam Silver, I'm I'm invested. Job well done. Now let's improve on it next year. Can I can I ask you a question? Right, because yeah, I, I had I had a Timberwolves guy uh, on the podcast a while ago, and like obviously the Timberwolves haven't won anything in their franchise. Knicks haven't won in a very long time. Right. Would this mean something to y'all if you guys won the in season tournament? Would this mean anything? Would you guys be going bing bong and on the street <laughs> talking about the like? Would that happen, or is it just like oh who cares? It's the in season tournament. So. The rational part of me would say, like, it's a nice thing to accomplish. It shows that this team can right. take a next step and, and play big playoff games and can match up against anybody. Yeah. Um, I speak on behalf of the irrational Knicks fan in me as well, though. You should. Yeah. You know there where Bing Bong originated was after one win on opening night against the Celtics. <laughs> now now add a parade to it. Like now add a tournament <laughs> victory to it. There's no doubt that the the entirety of Seventh Avenue um, yeah. will be lit if the the Knicks end up winning winning something called a tournament. Like if, yeah, if it, yeah, like yeah. we did a a, a watch along for the summer league finals that the Knicks were in a couple <laughs> years ago. This is a franchise <laughs> that is starved. Oh uh, look, I'm in fa- like when the t- you mentioned the Timberwolves when the Timberwolves had that that video go viral of them celebrating being the seventh seed. Right. I I watched it and was like. 
on behalf of a fan base that hasn't won much. Like yeah. I recognize celebrate when you can, cause you don't know yeah. when you're going to get to celebrate again. So, right. yeah. you know, it's, it's mixed where you, you recognize what it actually means, but have fun and celebrate it if you can. Yeah. I hope you guys win it, man. I hope you guys win it. It'd be fun. Well, I, I'd love you. to see I another hope, uh, street video. Le- I hope that they're going to go through this brutal schedule. They actually win <laughs> something for it. Yeah, so. Exactly. There exactly. you go. S, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. A huge shout out to Svendiar Barahini for coming on today's show to help me preview this matchup between the Knicks and the Raptors. You know what to do with the KFS bump. Show him some love. Um, it's hyperlinked in your episode description, whether it be a comment on our YouTube channel or head on over to all of his links and give him a like, a rating, a subscribe, a comment. Um, that really goes a long way. In fact, Bryce Simon, my guest from yesterday from uh, Motor City Hoops, absolutely touched by all the kind words that Knicks fans were saying about his appearance with us and like how positive he was about this 2-16 and 16 basketball team. Uh, that really does go a long way. So if you have the time, even if it's just like a comment to uh, to ask, just like let him know, like loved you on the KFS pod. Would love to have you back sometime. Uh, take care of the people that make time for us. As far as I'm concerned... I'll be back on Tuesday with another pregame pod because next next game will be on Tuesday in the in-season tournament against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I'm taking a, a mini break from KFS for a day or two just to officially kick the rest of uh, what's going on in my body at the moment so I can get back to 100% health. Some load management, as the NBA would call it. I guess not as the NBA would call it, as the Players Association would call it. Um, but if you dig this episode, please give a five-star rating and a review. Some quick announcements. Um, DJ Zulo and XJ will be doing the post game pod tonight for the Knicks and the Raptors. So tune in and join uh, them live or obviously check them out on your podcast feeds on Saturday. John and Benji will be your Sunday night into Monday morning podcast. So Benji is filling in for Jeremy this week. I believe there's an episode of KFS study hall happening on Monday night as well around six o'clock. So if you want to join uh, Sean and I, I believe it's just Chris, but we'll get back to you on specifically who uh, that is um, and what the lineup is. Uh, you can join him on playback though. The link is uh, in uh, where is the link these days? I believe it's in the episode uh, descriptions on YouTube, but we'll have a link up on our Twitter if you want to check them out there. And then on a personal note, the last announcement, and it's more of a shout out, is to my little brother, Peter. So you know about Pastor Claudio and his OB Hive. You know about uh, Mama Claudio, uh, one of my number one fans. You know about uh, Mrs. Claudio, who I don't know if I'm allowed to fully give her shout outs, but I do it anyway because I can. Well, my my younger brother, Peter, it is his birthday today on December 1st. This 12-1 is an important day on the calendar in my life because it's the day I became a big brother. And it's one of the titles I've held dear over the years. And it's really cool that another title he holds in his life is my best man. This summer was like an important step in in his life. Uh, (laughs) I love how I'm... It's so like... Like self-conceited. I'm leaving all this in. Like I, I'm saying it was such an honor for you to be my best man. Uh, little bro who's not so little anymore. Young man. Uh, I'm proud of you. And I hope you have a good birthday. He's playing me in fantasy football this week. So I don't wish you luck. I actually hope I kick your ass in fantasy football this week. But, you know, I hope you have fun 
enjoying this ass whooping. I hope you have a good birthday, bud. And I love you. And I I hope the Knicks at least get a win for you on Friday night. Okay. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. Let's go Knicks. And I'll speak with you soon. Peace. Peace.